Let's talk about the stock markets making a lot of investors extremely nervous, and maybe you too, but not necessarily enough to be throwing in the towel. We'll talk about why with our incredible thought leader, co-host, financial psychologist, Dr. Bag Klontz, on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I'm Joe Saul Cihai, coming to you live from Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Dr. Brad Klontz, financial psychologist coming from Boulder, Colorado. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like Dr. Brad Klontz. We break them down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And we do that for you now, six days a week, all in about 15 minutes. Big thanks to Ubiquity Retirement and Savings for supporting Money with Friends. If you own a small business, you know somebody that owns a small business, you know how difficult it is to set up a retirement fund. And what a great use of time, by the way, to make your business stronger when we finally get this behind us. Ubiquity offers simple, online, affordable small business retirement solutions starting at just $75 a month. Get ahead of the future with help from Ubiquity's team of experts. Visit myubiquity.com to learn more. That's M-Y-U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com to learn more. Well, I'm super excited. I'm normally not the voice you hear. You hear a much better voice than mine, usually, uh, my good friend Bobby Rebel. But Bobby, sadly, had uh, a tree hit their house today. So they have no power. And I've heard, Dr. Klontz, I've heard a lot of people say like the dog ate my homework. You might have heard this before as a professor. Dog ate my homework. I couldn't whatever. I mean, how bad an excuse is a tree hit my house? Well, I'm, I'm glad she um, gave us some picture evidence because it does seem pretty unbelievable um, and quite frightening, I would imagine. It is quite frightening. And, and I'm I'm just joking. But luckily, everybody is fine there where she is. And um and she will be back uh, t- tomorrow. Actually, she'll be back next week. I take that back because you and I are going to be doing uh, tomorrow's as well. But but you brought this piece to the table. Tell me why you thought um, you were thinking stock market now. I don't know. Is, is there something going on with the stock market? Uh, it's hard to think about much else between that and the virus. Uh, but, you know, I, obviously my expertise is in the financial behaviors. And so I picked an article here looking at financial behaviors in the midst of this crisis. Yeah, it's interesting because these are not some of the behaviors that we see enough of. So instead of uh, uh, the prelude, let's get into it. Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. Hi, this is Andy from Derby, Vermont. We'll supply the coffee. They'll supply the headlines. That's why I listen to Money with Friends. All right. This comes to us from CNBC. It's written by Jill Cornfield. And uh, the headline is, these investors are hanging on while they wait for better times. Mind doing the honors? The U.S. economy is taking a beating from the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. And like most everyone, you're probably feeling some impact from the stock market's volatility. The Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged in March before soaring again, jumping 400 points on April 9th. It's still down, though, from its high of 29,551 on February 12th. Whether it's a terrible time or just a temporary setback depends on your attitude. People tend to fall into one of two camps, time to sell versus there's never been a better time to buy. Though there's been improvement, the new market numbers are mixed. Yet some people, namely those in the fire or financial independence retire early movement, still see it as a solid growth opportunity. Financial resilience. It's possible people who are panicking aren't as familiar with the movement and haven't read enough, says Matt Mayberry, 29, who works in entertainment and tourism in Orlando, Florida. Marbury is a small business owner, less a proponent of early retirement and more interested in financial independence, 
Marbury is an avid reader of investment information. Marbury says if he were brand new to investing, he might think the idea that it's time to shop for bargains is crazy. At the beginning of the market drop, his portfolio lost about 12% in value, which he doesn't see as too dramatic. Now furloughed from his W-2 job, Marbury has had to put investing on hold, but he's not selling out. We're focusing on financial resilience, he said. The Choose FI podcast has been a fantastic resource for this as they've changed their focus to financial stability. Marbury still helps uh, hopes to max out his individual retirement account this year, and he credits information from Dave Ramsey and Bigger Pockets for helping him build up healthy savings to get him through a tough time. Before I found out about the financial movement, I used to do individual stock investing, Marbury said. Index fund investing makes it easier to stay the course. He added that had he stayed in individual stocks, I'm sure I'd be jumping in and out of the market. Around March 11th, the market dropped below the buy numbers for Mary T, 55, who asked her last name not be used due to fears of identity theft. She admits the limit she set, the Dow Jones at 22.5 and the S&P 500 at 2,400, were personal. Mary, a retired urban planner in Kirkland, Washington, based those numbers on how the market was performing in 2017 when she just sold some property and had cash. After considering a stock purchase, she decided everything seemed expensive, even overpriced. The market stayed in her bank account, or the money stayed in her bank account. Over the last few years, she waited for a bear market that didn't happen until it did. I missed all the upward trajectory in the last two to three years, she said. I figured this downturn is happy news for me. I can jump back in. Though conservative Mary also knows investing in stocks is a way to build wealth. She invests half in bonds, half in equities with some of her holdings in balance funds, which also carries some bonds. With the market crashing, it's an opportunity to get back in, she said. I just look at how trends go, how the markets have worked in the past. I'd encourage people to stick to their plan, she said. No one can control what happens five years from now. In fact, she says, reacting to the numbers caused her to lose money. Yeah, she 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 really had. Uh, you see people along the way as the market went up and up and up. Brad, getting out, getting out, getting out, getting out, and um, I don't know. Is this is this the time to get back in? Yeah, well, it's that whole getting out and getting in that is such a hot mess that destroys people's financial lives, and we, we see this time and time again. Um, and we've been doing this as, as a species since we started to have investments and whether tulips, you know, tech stocks, real estate, we're just wired to do it absolutely all wrong. And you just cannot guess when the market's at a bottom, when the market's at a top. Um, and th- this is why you see things like index funds beating even 95% of the stock picking pros is because market timing is, unless you have a crystal ball, you're going to fail at it. And so we end up doing worse than the market in general because we're going in and out. It's it's funny you say that because I want to go back to this. There's a there's a point in here that the author Jill says, whether it's a terrible time or just a temporary setback depends on your attitude. People tend to fall into one of two camps: time to sell versus there's never been a better time to buy. I don't know about you, I'm not in either one of those camps. Well, and and research would suggest that you're wise to not be in either one of those camps because again. You know, th- those strategies only work if you know what's happening tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next year. Um, and unfortunately, like Mary, a lot of people, and I, I know you know people like this too, that got so sort of traumatized by 2008 that they sat on the sideline with cash. So they got out, it's sort of locking in that loss, and then they never knew when to jump back in because there's a bunch of volatility on the way up. You don't know if it's going to keep crashing. And so I know people who stayed on the sideline for 10, 15 years. And then just like Mary, they're like, oh, should I get back in? 
And at this point, the market is at, at historic all-time highs. And it's that buying high, selling low, just understanding you're wired to do it. And you have to sort of override that natural impulse. When my when when I have that feeling, the market's expensive. Mary here said the market felt expensive. My very first reaction to that is based on based on what the market should feel expensive. I mean, if the market goes up seventy percent of the time, shouldn't the market usually feel expensive? Right. Well, and it's so interesting because based on what you know, right. and not to get too philosophical here, but you know, market prices are just based on our collective psychology, believing that something's going to be worth more in the future than it actually is, and so to try to pin it to a number that makes sense, it's expensive, it's cheap. These are just things that we tell ourselves to try to help make make sense and make, lower our anxiety, perhaps. But the market is entirely driven by psychology. And it's actually the market is the value of the market is what it's valued at right now, not what it should have been, what it should be tomorrow. And so that's the rea- the reality is the number right now. The uh, the gentleman in the article talks about index funds, and we perform this live in front of a Facebook audience. You want to hang out with us, by the way, when we when we make the show, it's facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins. And Kelly's hanging out with us and says, index funds do, do make it uh, easier. I see t- people time the market, and it makes me so nervous for them. I'm glad... Uh, 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 I just I just lost it. I'm glad I'm not even phased by the drops. Does have you found in your studies that investing in index funds make makes it easier like it does? You know, the guy was talking about if he was in stocks, he'd be in and out with index funds. He doesn't feel that urge. Is that common or different? I, I think that's pretty common. And I think when people are prone to invest in index funds, they've already sort of bought onto that philosophy. Um, perhaps they've, they've read a study He's showing that that stock picking, you know, again, even the pros can't beat the market. They can't beat the index fund. Um, and that's historical. And that's over over time. And um, what's so interesting and actually kind of scary is this recent drop. Many people had only been investing for the last 10 years, 15 years. And right. so overconfidence was really high. Um, and if you were extremely overconfident, you you thought that perhaps you were a great investor. Now, this is this is actually a terrible, terrible mindset is to believe that you're a great investor um, because you're about to get destroyed once you've sort of drank that Kool-Aid. And so I think there was an entire generation of people who only experienced the market going up and erroneously concluded that they happen to be really great at stock picking. It's it's funny as you say that, and and you were talking earlier about anxiety. You know, you keep bringing up feelings, right? Is is the idea to feel the feelings but not act on them, or is the idea to feel the feeling and maybe act opposite them? Yes. Yeah, so the feelings you can't avoid them, um, and so that that's actually one of our Achilles' heels, and is when we feel like we're immune to feelings, right? So the, first of all, that that's a really bad idea because you're not, you're you're totally not, um, and you may be sort of consciously overriding them, which is great. That's what you need to do. Um, but yeah, the feelings are there. You can't deny them. They're going to make you want to do all the wrong things. And I think it starts with a deep mistrust of your emotions. Oh. Now those emotions, I mean, trust them when it comes to relationship decisions, that kind of thing. But when it comes to financial decisions, you have to have just just like incredible mistrust of your instincts. I, I, I think to some degree, then, if you mistrust your instincts, you immediately think the opposite. Like to, like to your point, if, if I'm feeling all full of myself, if I'm feeling all full of myself and I think that, man, I'm, I'm a phenomenal investor, I should go, oh, man, oh, boy. Right, exactly. So so the problem with the opposite is it could be just as bad, right? So imagine we're all herd animals, we're all scared horses, you know, out in the wild and the and the whole herd's running this way and and 
you, if you're going to run with them, you're probably going to go off the cliff. Should you run in the other direction? But the problem is you're running, right? Yeah, so that's yeah, sort of the problem yeah, when it comes to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to your relationship with money. Uh, uh, we uh, have some other comments here. Lori's hanging out with us. Said several friends have pulled back on their 401k contributions with a recent market downturn. Not as bad as selling, but are they missing out in an opportunity? Right. So again, um, so I, I think so. Actually, you know, I mean, there's a lot of research showing the dollar cost averaging is the way to go. We don't know if the stocks are going to go up or go down. Um, so ideally, you'd be able to do that. And I think we are. I mean, not only that, we're missing out on a lot of opportunities because many of us are feeling a financial crunch right now. And many don't even have money to, to pay for what they need to pay for. So absolutely. Ray says, in crazy times like this, treat your existing investments like a doorknob that somebody with COVID-19 just sneezed on. Don't, don't touch it. <laughs> That is wise advice. You know, I, I do think it is, it could be that perhaps you were too aggressive going into this. That's a whole other interesting conversation on risk tolerance. Like everybody was extremely swashbuckling risk takers a couple months ago and feeling really good about it. Now everyone, of course, is, is very much afraid. Um, and so it, it might not be a bad time to sort of analyze your approach, which is a great idea. Not a great time to totally abandon your approach if you had a really well thought out plan in place. Is, is, is that phrase misplaced, risk tolerance? We talk about risk tolerance. Are we talking about the wrong thing? I think that, well, risk tolerance is, our problem with risk tolerance is we think of it as a personality um, uh, you know, trait. Yeah. It's actually an emotional state. So that's the big problem with it. So it, um, we've done a bunch of studies on this. Um, I was previously at Kansas State University and um, really interesting stuff. But if a opposite gendered person asked you the risk tolerance questionnaire, you're more likely to present yourself as more of a risk taker. So think about that. Um, so as a male, if a female, a heterosexual male is a female's asking me risk tolerance questions, I'm much more likely to sort of puff up my chest a little bit. Yeah, 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 I take risks. You know, it happened either way on the genders and it didn't matter whether you're married or not. And ju just as an example of how crazy this idea of risk tolerance is, if it's a prediction of your future behavior. Now, a much better predictor is something called, um, your risk composure, which is essentially, what did you do back in 2008? Because that's going to tell me what you're more likely to do when a, when a market crash is happening now. Did you hold steady? Or did you become more aggressive? Did you buy? Did you sell? That's a much better predictor of what you're going to do in the future. So to some, to some degree, what you're saying is past performance is a predictor of future results, but we're not talking about the money like they do in mutual fund prospectuses. We're talking about you. Past performance of you is, is, is a predictor of future results. Absolutely. Unless you've taken the opportunity to adjust your thinking and you've yeah. sort of used the crisis or the event as something to um, introspect on. You know, that, that's the opportunity. We all make mistakes. If you can learn from those mistakes um, by blaming yourself, which is a fabulous way to, to go, um, you can you have some hope of not repeating those mistakes. I want to I'm not going to th th there's a whole discussion around blaming yourself there that I want to have that we don't have time <laughs> for. But but I do want to jump into one other area, which is the gentleman in this piece. Uh, uh, really got educated. He talks about listening to podcasts, helping him get through this, right? I mean, that's one way people read blogs. They, they read books. They, 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 they do all kinds of, of research, watch documentaries versus I see people say, you know, I just don't look at it. Have you found one is healthier than the other? Or does that also depend on your personality? I think it depends on your personality. It also depends on the sources of information. 
Um, because depending on what you're feeding into your system, your anxiety is going to skyrocket and you may be prone to actually doing the wrong things. And by the way, financial professionals are not immune from this at all. So you will find some financial professionals that are more anxious than the average investor. Um, And it makes sense that they are because they have a lot of people that they're working with, a lot of money they're managing. Uh, So I think it really just depends on who you're listening to. Yeah. Uh, In just a second, uh, Dr. Klontz and I are going to have our takeaways from today's piece. And while he thinks of something that's going to be the most brilliant thing we've heard yet, I'm going to give him a couple of minutes while we thank Ubiquity Retirement and Savings for supporting money with friends. If you're a small business owner, I know you're worried about keeping the doors open, but you also want to think about how do we come through this even better on the other side? And that means choosing the right benefits, including the right retirement plan. And choosing the right retirement plan, well, that can seem complicated, but Ubiquity makes it easy to save for the future on your terms and within your budget. In just a few clicks, you can see 401k plans designed by experts online or talk to them and tailor a plan that meets your specific needs and the needs of your employees. Ubiquity's affordable flat fee plans start at just $75 a month. Whether you're a solopreneur or have a team of 100 employees, everybody gets the same exceptional service at Ubiquity. Kickstart your future at myubiquity.com. That's M-Y-U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com to learn more. Big thanks to myubiquity.com for helping out the show. And what a great time, by the way, to think about your business. We were talking to uh, Brad the um, uh, the creator of uh, FinCon the other day, Philip Taylor, and Philip was telling me that he's using all this time uh, to to sharpen the saw so that when he's able to really go at his business again afterwards, after this is over, he's able to really go on the on the attack, which I think is pretty smart. Love it. Yeah, I, I, there's an opportunity in the crisis. And so the more you can just keep that in mind, there's all, where's the opportunity? Where's the opportunity? That's the question I ask myself 10 times a day, including I'm stuck at home with my wife and children. Where's my opportunity here <laughs> to improve my marriage, to be a better father? Because those opportunities abound. Yeah, it's uh, and, and you're focusing on the stuff that you can control. I love it. What's our big takeaway here? My big takeaway is is a couple things. It behaviorally, it's just really important to know that you're going to be wired to do the wrong thing. Um, so whether it's trying to pick individual stocks and winners, and you're all excited about it, or you're really fearful trying to get in the market, out of the market, the big takeaway for me around this article is just more confirmation that we're wired to do great if a predator's chasing us to survive um, when there's enemies all around us. This is how we're wired to survive and do well. But when it comes to our financial decisions, when we're emotionally charged, we become rationally challenged and we end up doing something really destructive. I I, I absolutely love that. I, and I'm just going to jump on that myself with my takeaway, because there's a phrase that Nike had before they used just do it that I really liked. And it was and I understand why they don't use it anymore because it doesn't roll off the tongue as much. But I think it's applicable here. It's, it's feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. Um, And I really like that phrase. And I have to remind myself of that because I'm somebody that feels fear a lot. And this is certainly a time when a lot of people are fearful and go ahead and feel those emotions. But acting on them, I think, is when you run into trouble. So uh, 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 so what are you up to? Tell me where people can find you. What are you what are you doing that's fun besides hanging out at home with the family? So I'm Dr. Brad Klontz on social media. And just please don't tell anyone this, but I'm actually um, semi-famous on TikTok. So, <laughs> right. so I, I end up doing about two or three videos on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I got you know my na- dance moves aren't the best, 
Um, <laughs> slightly better than average if I was to be really generous. Um, but I've been actually been putting a lot of time and effort into um, how can I take financial psychology, basic investment information, and teach younger people in ten in fifteen seconds while I'm lip syncing or dancing. That's been my challenge. That is fantastic. And you're Dr. Bradley Klontz on TikTok. Dr. Brad Klontz. Dr. Yep. Brad Klontz on TikTok. Awesome. Uh, uh, Brad and I are going to be back here tomorrow, by the way. Tomorrow we're talking about uh, something that you might not think applies to you. We're going to talk about uh, freelancing. But should you be th thinking of yourself as a freelancer, uh, we might think that you should, especially right now. On behalf of Dr. Brad Klontz, I'm Joe Salcihai. We'll see you back here tomorrow at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. <laughs>